Hello and welcome to the Anchor Faith Message Podcast. Enjoy this message. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Ecclesiastes. We're going to start in verse 1. Ecclesiastes. Amen. I do like it when the Lord gives me some, some stuff to minister out of the books that you don't always run into, you know. Although this particular in Ecclesiastes, there are some phrases or some scriptures that are used the most often, this being one of them. And, um, you know, so I want us to look at that. We do, uh, they're trying to figure out what's going on with this projector, why it keeps going off. So, again, I understand everybody's neck's going to be over here if you didn't bring something to uh, uh, scriptures yourself. So we're going to be on this side, and if I'm in your way, then bring a Bible next time. Amen? All right. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, it says this. This which has been is that which will be. And that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Just go ahead and look at your neighbor and say there's nothing new. So there's nothing that your neighbor or I could tell you or you could tell you or anybody in the world could tell you that, man, this is new. You could say that's old news because there's nothing new under the sun. Verse 10, is there anything of which one might say, see this, it is new. He said what? Already it has existed for ages which were before us. You know, like you say, like the Apple Watch or your Apple phone said, well, that's new. You know what? This came from the dirt. All this is is just somebody figured out how to put all these components together. It's nothing new under the sun. It already existed here. It was already here. It's not like they're creating something that hasn't already been here at the time the Lord said, let there be. Okay? So there's nothing new. And in this context, I kind of want to take us in a direction a little bit different than, you know, maybe how we've heard this particular passage of Scripture because God dropped something in my spirit while I was away. Because, you know, when I do vacation, vacations for me uh, are really just uh, I have more time to devour the things of God. That's how I am, okay? Um, because I don't go away to get away from God. <laughs> well, you're a pastor. You're in church all the time, so you know, why do you do? Um, my life is connected with Jesus. If I'm not with him, we're in trouble. So I do, I read books. I spend more time in scripture, actually. I'll pray even more. Why? Because I don't have the appointments that pull and make demands. In fact, I have three, two books, three books actually, that are already kind of written to, laid out in chapters, that I finished one while I was gone. I was jacked, so more than a lot is going to be coming out here soon. And you know, it wouldn't work to me because when you're in your purpose, you know, wouldn't work. And it's not like we were disconnected. I mean, texts were coming our way. Information was coming our direction, you know, and we could choose how fast or quick we needed to engage, whatever. But we weren't disconnected ever. Why? Because, again, this is our life. And we love this thing. I mean, we love it. I mean, this is what I was destined to do. And so, you know, when it comes to the things of God, uh, when I go on vacation or my wife and I take some time, it's just a little extra for us to be able to spend time together, but also spend time uh, speaking on the things of God. And so there's some things that just kind of dropped in my spirit while I was out, right? 
You know, sermons show up. Ideas come, you know. Uh, advancement of stuff takes place. Also, while I was gone, Ricky, would you bring me that? I got a piece of paper. When I say a piece of paper, it's a little bit more than just one. It's a few pieces of paper, actually. Uh, it's a document, actually, that says this. Purchase and sale agreement. Here it is. So this has come from the owners. So on Friday, I have a, a meeting at 930 with our attorney that we're going to be going through it line by line, right, looking at it. What's profitable for us? Is there anything that needs to be adjusted or changed? Because all we got to do after that is I sign my name to it. The owner signs his name to it. Then we go through the process, which is a 60-day process. And at the end, we own it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Aren't you excited about that? So again, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Amen. And so, you know, things are happening. I know your children are still in here from Nautilus, but be of good cheer. We're only waiting for them to send us the air condition we've already, you know, ordered. And so it's going to happen. In fact, we started looking at, well, since they're not in there, maybe we should go ahead and rip the carpet out, put a new floor down in it, and paint it. As if we didn't have enough things to do, right? <laughs> so we're exploring that idea found out today floor was $2,700 put brand new floors basically the same floor we put in Washington so I'm thinking we're gonna probably do this thing <laughs> amen because our children deserve it amen? amen all right um so anyway let's go back to this scripture to get us back you know in, in the direction we want to go it says for that which is has been is that which will be and that which has been done is that which will be done it's very important and then he goes on and says, so there is nothing new under the sun. You know, experience serves us well when there's a heart of love and a teachable spirit. But conversely, when there's a bitter heart and a know-it-all spirit, experience can hurt you. Um, you know... Through the years of my own personal growing and walking with the Lord, you know, and I've said this to probably everyone in this room that is a vision partner, uh, because if you've gone through our vision partnership, you've heard me say, I'll be a better pastor in five years. If you've been here enough in a sermon, it would show up like tonight. I'll be a better pastor in five years. Why? Because I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm, ex um, I'm advancing. Uh, I'm allowing myself to continue to be taught by God. I'm always exploring and judging my heart and what's going on in my life and then what's the scripture say and is there any thought that I have, any way of, to conduct business, any way that I'm uh, processing any information that would not be in line with the words of life. I don't even live an opinionated life anymore. I don't have an opinion in the matter. Now, opinions show up, ideas come up, don't get me wrong, but at the end, I'm always trying to line those up with the Word of God. Now, what, how, what would God say about this? Where's God on this thing? Okay, now, I'm not saying that I'm like, hey, Lord, what shirt do I wear today? I'm not doing that. God's given me liberty. That's why he gave me a wife, and she picks them out for me. Because <laughs> honestly, I had a different outfit on. I walked into the bathroom, and she says, no. I'm like... What? Seriously, I've never liked that shirt on you anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, I guess I'm burning it this weekend. I guess that's what's happening. Um, but, you know, it, and 
through the years, you know, of just growing and being in places, you know, I've been around some individuals that, you know, they, they throw the experience card, right? And, um, but a lot of times when they throw it out there, you know, there's something behind it. You know, and you're like, hmm, right? You know, because I wouldn't want someone that's younger than I am to have a God idea and all of a sudden you just act like you can't even receive from them because you got more experience. You know, and our society in general, you know, kind of has this challenge when it comes to just being older. You know, some people have some great experiences. When I mean great, I mean large in numbers that are horrible and really shouldn't be taught to anybody. I mean, the best parts of their experience is what not to do life. It's kind of like the ESPN, the top 10, not top 10, right? And so, you know, you, I, I'm, you have a lot of experience, but nobody wants to follow that because, you know, it's not been good. But, you know, through the years, you know, there are some things that some situations just occur, and you realize there is nothing new under the sun. Nothing. I mean, now that I've been in ministry for 26 years, 17 in this location, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. I mean, honestly, I'm not surprised by anything. Nothing surprises me. Nothing. Disappoint me? Yes. Grieves me? Yes. Makes me sad? Absolutely. Gets me angry even? Sure. Makes me laugh? Oh, yeah. But nothing shocks me. Because there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. Okay? Now, look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 to 13. Because I want us to take us on this journey tonight. Because, again, Chase ministering on called to chosen. Thank God we're all being called. Because if you don't get called, you can't even, be, can't even go obtain to being chosen. And we had that conversation before I left. I said, you know, which I don't know if I said it. He may have actually said it, but I felt like I, it resonated in me. So one way or the other, I'm thinking, let all the other churches be called churches and let us be a chosen church. Because I've always kind of had it in my spirit, man, that, you know, if the parable of the sower is, the, is people, where you sow the seed and 25% don't even get anything. I mean, the devil keeps them. And then the next 25, you know, they get it, but then they wither out immediately when a trial and tribulation comes. And then you get that other group that they get it and they have this plant and even have fruit show up, but it never matures because then the cares of life, deceitfulness chokes it out. So then it's unfruitful. So you get this 75% of people who hear the word don't ever do anything. But then you get... 25% that hear it, and out of that 25%, some produce 30, 60, and 100. I'm like, can we just have the group of people that produce the fruit? Let the other churches have the trial people that fizzle out and die when trials and tribulation and wither away. Let the other churches have the deceitfulness of riches and cares of life, and let them have the form of godliness but never produce the fruit of righteousness. Let them have that. Let us have the hungry ones. I mean, let the, the hungry, the passion. Now, again, you can't even get to this level unless you've come through the other levels. I'm not saying that we're skipping stuff. All of us had to start somewhere. All of us, we were all lost, and then we got born again. Then we had to choose to stay with the word, period. 
We've all had to circum, you know, overcome things of the trials and the tests. We've all had to uh, uh, turn aside the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of life so that we could produce something. I mean, it's not like we got here without opportunity. And so again, you know, in that thought process, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, 12, I want to kind of bring us in this thought process. It says, now these, because this is context, he says, now these, talking about Old Testament saints, now these things happen to them as an example. And stay with me, I'm building something. I, I, you know, it may seem vague initially, but it won't be here in just a second. Now these things happen to them as an example. And they are written for our instruction. For our what? Instruction. Which means if somebody's done it before me and can get it written down, then I can receive instruction on what to or not to do. He says, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. We'll see that scripture explained in a different one uh, much better. Verse 13, though. But here it goes right into verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. In essence, we could say it this way. Ain't nothing new under the sun you're going through right now. And somebody else is going through it. Why? It says God's faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able, what? To endure it. There's nothing new under the sun, which means any temptation, and understand this, God's not tempting you because God can't be tempted nor does he tempt. Can he put you in a test or a trial? Sure. But as far as trying to tempt you to sin, God cannot do that. But sin is in the earth and sin and the devil and all of his realm of domain of darkness, make no mistake about it, he is not intimidated with your in Christ position, especially if you don't know who you are at all. And even if you do, he's still not intimidated to try to tempt you because if he'll come after Jesus Christ, make no mistake, he's coming for you. But there's nothing new under the sun. So whatever you ever face, you just need to decide right now. It doesn't matter what I'm going to face ever. It's already been tried on somebody. The question is, do we have documented evidence of it happening and can we learn from the instructions? Obviously, this passage of Scripture, verse 13, is connected to the first two verses, of which is connected to the beginning of this chapter, which is discussing people within the old covenant that had instruction from God, their lives were written out, and he's saying, if they fail to do things, you could fail to do things. This is why we have it documented, because there's nothing new under the sun. Let's look at this in the uh, message translation. I use this translation uh, in a couple books that I've written that do some types and shadows concerning Old Testament saints to New Testament believers. And so it starts out this way again, verse 11. It says, these are all warning markers, danger in our history books. Remember, it's history book now. 
These are people's biographies we're reading. Written down so that we don't repeat their what? So what's that tell us? If we're repeating their mistakes, we're either ignorant of their mistakes or we're choosing to make the same mistake. Okay. Our positions in the story are parallel. They at the beginning, we at the end. We are just as capable of messing it up as they were. Don't be so na uh, naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Now let's go on to verse 13. That's the ones that I use in books. And so let's go on to verse 13. He says, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond, right? The course of what others have had to face. The number one lie the devil will tell you is a, nobody's going through what you're going through. You're all alone. That's the greatest deception. <laughs> right? Hallelujah. He says, um, all you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit, he'll always be there to help you come through it. Now, that doesn't mean he'll force you through it. You're going to have to participate. You're going to have to participate. You've always had to participate with God. God always does his side. Meaning what he's obligated to do for humanity, he will do. And he was obligated to come once Adam fell from dominion, once he ate the fruit. He was obligated, according to the word, to, let, to make man in the image of God so that he would have dominion. God said, I'm going to have to come back as a man himself since I've given dominion to man. I got to come as a man now. I'm legally obligated to this, but I'm going to do it because I said that I would make man in my image according to my likeness and he would have dominion. So now that he's given the dominion to the devil, I'm going to come back and take the dominion as a man. So he shows back up in the earth. Jesus Christ, he dies on the cross, is raised from the dead, pours out his blood on the mercy seat for every act of rebellion against the throne. We call it sin. And if anyone goes to the lake of fire now, it is not a God problem. It's a their choice problem. But God will not take them to heaven without their confession of faith. He requires them to yield to him and call him Lord of their lives. It is by faith, through the grace of God, God's grace, right? By grace, through faith, that we are born again, made in the image of God. So our side has to take shape by faith in order to bring salvation or what we call the new birth experience to take place in our lives that we know that we're children of God. And there's no other thing you'll ever receive from the king any other way. That's how we are to live. We are to live by what? Faith. Now, God can extend things towards you, but at the end of the day, he's requiring all of his children to learn to live by faith, period. 
And what he's saying is, is I'll get you past this temptation. I'm going to show you the way of escape. In essence, I'm going to give you a word. And here's the thing about God giving you his word. He doesn't have to give it through the prophet, although he can. He doesn't have to give it through the pastor, although he can. He can give it to you privately in your spirit by the Holy Ghost. He could give it to you while you are reading scripture and it comes alive to you and say, that's what I need to do. It could come through someone who has um, no five-fold ministry connection at all and maybe even a babe in Christ, but God uses them to tell you something that that sets me free from this. But then you have to act on it. So he'll provide the way of escape. You've got to choose to escape. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So none of us are trapped. Just go ahead and look at your name and say, you're not trapped. You're not trapped. None of us are trapped. Because if we're trapped, then we have to call God a liar. I can't get out. I can't help it. I can't get out. I mean, I'm just stuck. I'm trapped. I can't get out. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Well, but pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I don't care what you've been through. Doesn't matter. You've not experienced. I don't have to experience. Jesus has. <laughs> the Amplified says it this way. Amplified classic translation says verse 13 this way. For no temptation, no trial regarding, regarded as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads has overtaken you and laid hold on you that it is not common to man. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experiences and such, and such as man can bear. But God is faithful, first, to his word and to his compassionate nature. And he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and assayed beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, he will always, he will what? Always provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear up under it, what? Patiently. Now again, temptations, there are some temptations that you just deal with yourself. I mean, there's no outside force. It's you. You decide whether you go over on a website or not. You decide that, okay? But then there are some conflicts that are external that now you have to decide, how am I gonna address and handle this with that coming at me this way. You gotta decide. And you can decide I'm gonna do it God's way, but they decide they don't love God, don't care about God, and they just keep coming. But you can patiently endure during that whole time and come out victorious. Look at this in the Passion Translation. It says it this way, same verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 
We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it. How? Victoriously. So if we'll just stay with the word. I said if we just stay with the word. Now why do I say all this? Because 1 Corinthians 10, 11 and 12 give us insight and connect us back to Ecclesiastes when he says, anything done's already been done. And there's nothing done that hadn't already been done or will be done. He says there's nothing new under the sun. Then he lets us know, in essence, the Bible, because you know how some people are like, I hate reading the Bible, <laughs> which blows me away. I mean, that just blows me away, right? How do you hate reading the Bible? In the beginning was the Word, just John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if you don't like reading the Bible, then you don't like reading the Word, which is telling me you don't like God. Oh, I like God. No, you don't. You don't even like Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Do you? Verse 14 of the first chapter of John, and the Word became so if you don't like reading the Bible, you're like saying, I don't like you, Jesus. That's what you're saying. Now, you're not wanting to admit that, but that's the truth nonetheless. And here's the thing. We take our democratic mindset into Scripture and decide what we want to read. And I like these parts, but I don't care for these parts so much. So you stay in these parts. The problem is those parts alone will not give you enough instruction to overcome the time of testing and temptation. Because the whole book is written so that you have instruction on how to handle it. I could say it this way. There's no story written in humanity by someone. When I say, I mean your life is the story. The way you live your life, it's not new. I can find your life in Scripture. I can find it. And this is something that I had an epiphany while I was gone. I'm like, there's nothing new under the sun. You just, you decide who you want to be in the Bible. I mean, who you want to be? You want to be Jezebel? You can be Jezebel. Yeah, you can be Jezebel. No problem. You can be. You can be Rahab the harlot before the Israelites show up. You can be there. <laughs> you can be Joab. You can be um, Absalom. You can be Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. Because there's nothing new under the sun. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying that you're going to be their exact life, but there's enough of everyone's life recorded that we can say, that's where they went wrong. In fact, Gerald Brooks, a minister over in Texas, I remember being at a particular conference with him, and he, I, didn't ha I don't have the statistics, but he said, when you read the Bible, there are more cases of people who have failed than those who finished. 
because he was trying to encourage us as pastors at the time. He was given the statistics of how many five-fold ministers were getting out of ministry. There was a time that they would make it about 15, 20, 25 years. The average rate of ministry of pastors being in churches, five years. That's it. They're done. I'm not talking about going to another church. They're finished. They're quitting. Now, if you're called, how, how does that even happen? But people choose all the time. Why? Because they're deciding, I'm going to be Demas. See, but if you don't know who Demas is, because Paul was like, Demas is with me, Demas is with me, and he's like, Demas has left me because he cares more about the world now and has abandoned me. So if you want to be... There's, there, I can't even tell you how many people since the inception of Anchor Faith Church in 2004 that I could say, Demas, <laughs> I mean, come to my face and tell me, we're going to help you get them all. And they're gone. Demas. Nothing new under the sun. So when they leave, I don't get upset because I already had it. How am I getting offended when there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, how bad of an attack do you think you can bring on my life, or anyone can bring on your life for that matter, that you can't see it in Scripture? And then you got to decide, am I going to be the Absalom in this relationship, the King Saul in this relationship, or am I going to be the King David? Because at the end of the day, I control my path. And since there's nothing new under the sun, I can choose the paths of righteousness. Because there are so many men and women of God, there are, when I say so many, less than the ones who didn't finish, but there are, and you know why there are less? Because narrow is the road. Jeez, man. Narrow is the road. I mean, you might as well just settle it. If you're going to be chosen, it's going to be a little bit lonely right now. But it pays off. I said it pays off. I would not want to squander. Let's put it this way. I would not want to commit suicide on my purpose like Judas because I'm running after a buck. I don't want to hang my destiny on a tree because I see all this and this looks so much better. Because I know what? Those choices made. Every one of us are making decisions in our life that if you would actually study the individuals, old and new, covenant people, Old Testament, New Testament, when you get to a crossroad, you'll be able to determine, now if I take that road, that's the road of Absalom. That's what that is. That's the road of Joab. That's the road of Miriam. I'll get leprosy for a season if I respond that way. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this, I guess. There's nothing new under the sun. I mean, this is really an encouragement. It's just that when we hear this, a lot of times we want to take a step back. But what this tells us is that you have the greatest opportunity to pick your path. Because there's nothing new under the sun. You can say, okay, I'm in a situation right now. 
Let me go back to some biographies. Let me see if anybody's faced something like this in some part of their life. And let's see how it happened. Because there's nothing new under the sun. Because at the end of the day, you should want to be Mary, Jesus' mama. You should want to choose to be Esther. You should want to choose to be Deborah. You should want to choose to be King David. Can you make a mistake? Yes, I get it. And I understand David ultimately still did way more righteous things than he did unrighteous. Only about three that he did that was that myth God. And he recovered, which tells us if you fall, you can recover. Because we already know there's nothing new under the sun. You can't fall as a righteous person so far that if you choose to want to get up, so you can't let the devil keep you in a pit for you've got scripture that says a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets up. Now, I'm not choosing to want to live a righteous man fallen life where like, I'm going to fall, get up, fall. I'm the best getter upper there is. I want to learn how to walk straight, right? So I look for the, and here's the thing, this is what's crazy, is that people get upset when you get around a believer that seems like they're always doing it right. Well, you know, it seems like you're always doing it right. Everything's always working out for you, you know. It's like they want you to do wrong. Or they want to catch you in a wrong so that they feel better about themselves. When I'm working just as hard and you're working just as hard to not take that road because you know that there's nothing new under the sun. And if I go in that direction, that is not positive. The Bible already tells me what's going to happen down that road. And here's the crazy thing about sin. Sin deceives you to think that you can do sin and get away with it. <laughs> That's why governments do what they do today. Leaders rise up like they do today. You always hear, if you don't study your history, you're doomed to what? The bottom line is, you're always going to repeat it in sin. Because as long as you're a sinner, you'll never beat sin. You lose. You're on one road, death. You're on it. And I don't care how many times you try to do it different than the last leaders. You're going to end with the same fate. And here's the thing. We have it documented because there's nothing new. Under the sun. Not a thing new. Which tells me if I'm in this thing saying, how did Paul do it? How could Paul say, imitate me as I imitate Christ? How is that? How could John say, I must decrease and he must increase? How is it that Peter was able to recover from that kind of guilt of denying Jesus? And yet die a martyr's death in complete allegiance. Well, I can study because there's nothing new under the sun. So how did he handle the adversity? How did he handle it? Here's the thing. Let me get you into a Christian side. Ready? How are you going to handle when Paul comes to rebuke Peter? Now, are you going to not take the rebuke? Paul said, I rebuke Peter openly. 
And yet, sometimes we get caught in situations. I'm not even talking about your pastor. I'm talking about others in the body can come and say, you need to quit doing that. Okay. You don't want to take the road Peter's on. Because I don't want to be Barnabas. Because his life ends when he has a dispute, at least in Scripture. We don't even get his name again. Now, it's not like he didn't love God and he wasn't trying to help people do things for God. We know this because Paul says, send me John Mark, the one they had an argument over in the first place. He's become profitable for ministry. And you know Barnabas was still helping that. But we don't hear the guy's name. And I don't want my the, the, the call, uh, the, the purpose that God has for my life to be erased. In essence, I can't use you any further to advance this part of my vision because you've gotten sideways. You're arguing. Quarreling. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. Well, I'm, I, just, I just want to go to church where everybody loves each other. Well, we do love each other. So conflicts happen. Because you're very imperfect, just like me. <laughs> and we had to clean junk up. And if you're like, but I don't ever see you get mad or you do this or you do that or you, look, I put it down like everybody else. And you know, why do not, why do we not want to go after, look for the ones that, I want to find somebody that's not failing. Somebody that does handle the adversity. Because at the end of the day, if you come up around that individual and you have a hard time measuring up to that or it seems like you're never getting it, Stick with it, man. Just keep sticking with it. Because God's not a respecter person. And if somebody knows how to put the temptation of lust down and knows how to put the temptation of alcohol down and knows how to put down the temptation of, you know, um, leaving the church over an offense and put down the temptation of being bitter because someone stabbed him in the back or put down the temptation of whatever. The, God didn't do what I asked when I prayed stuff. If you can get around those individuals that still love God, worship God, honor God, know they've been through some kind of calamity, but they still are whole. Man, I need to get around you because for me i'm like where is that lord how do i get because there's nothing new under the sun nothing new doesn't matter all the exploit moses is probably is always rings in my head because he was so used of god in such a miraculous way but yet couldn't finish his course because he hits a rock twice and I use that teaching moment all the time. I'm so thankful for that instruction. I mean, honestly, I would go to Moses if I could stand and say, ma'am, thank you for writing that about yourself. Oh, you don't want to. Come on. Come on. Moses wrote the first five books. So he gives us an insight. Now listen to what I'm saying. The Holy Ghost wants me to tell you my failure here. Because when you get going and you've interceded for them and you've stood in the gap for them and they grumbled and complained and talked about you and came after you and called you this and called you that and complained about your family. And that sure happens in ministry. You know, God forbid that God uses a pastor's children. Right? 
Don't put that pressure on my kids. I won't let you do it. Amen. Period. Amen. I mean, they're all, their own individuals. But man, if there's an anointing on it, then we're going to celebrate it like an anointing on anybody else. Amen. Period. And if you can't receive from anyone, then you have a problem. And we can see those individuals in Scripture. Judas was hanging out with Jesus because he wanted to be next to the guy that's going to be the guy. Meaning, they're saying you're the king. Bro, I'm hooked up with you. I'm right here. I'm by your side. I'm right here with you. You know, like, this guy ain't taking the throne like I thought he would. I mean, I thought I'd get prominence. I thought I'd be recognized. I thought I'd be like this. You know what? Uh, hmm. I'm going to see how I'm going to have to get me a different cut because this stuff he's talking kind of crazy. And I don't know that I have a financial future with him anymore. Right? I'm going to be right next to the pastor. <laughs> well, if they're living holy... And righteous, that could be exposing. Hallelujah. I mean, if, I'm not saying all are, but just because some aren't don't mean some aren't. Because at the end of the day, there's nothing new under the sun. I can show you prophets that failed that were godly. I mean, we've got one prophet that showed up and said, the Lord said this, that, and the other. And they're like, hey, man, come here. He said, nope, can't stay. The Lord told me to release this and don't eat with nobody. Don't talk to and go." And he takes off and he's gone. Well, then the old prophet who used to hear but started letting his hearing be bribed, he shows up and said, oh, the Lord spoke to me too. Come on back to the house. And the young guy went with the experienced guy. And then the Lord came on the experienced guy and says, you really are a man of God. You are a prophet. And what you say is true. And you shouldn't have came to this house. You're going to die when you leave here. And sure enough, he did. But that guy realized, that's a man of God. When I die, put me in next to his grave. But yet he wouldn't be in the grave if you wouldn't have. Maybe there's some people you just don't need to walk with. Maybe there's some people you don't need to be listening to. But again, it's all here in the scripture. There's nothing new under the sun. I can show you false teachers, but I can show you great teachers. I can show you great apostles. I can show you great prophets, great evangelists. Yes, there's many that have failed, many who haven't done right, and we have instruction on how to not do that. But there's also accounts of those who did it, who made it, who are faithful to the end. And their stories are there, their bib bibliographies are there by the Holy Ghost. See, these things are not just to fill pages for us. Man, I, can we just get to the part that applies to me? It all applies. I said it all applies. I mean, you want to deal. I was just talking to someone who's wanting to run for office. I said, you need to read Daniel. Daniel was the greatest statesman in the Bible. This guy went through multiple administrations. If you think you're going to run for political office, you need to study Daniel. You'll learn some things from him and how you should operate in the office. Because there's nothing new under the sun. You know what's crazy about Daniel? 
Daniel <laughs> knew there was legislation that was enacted against his God, and he did not protest it. He just kept praying. So not everything that isn't right, and according to God's word, we should protest. He made more, he made more power available to change the legislation by just maintaining his status quo of praying unashamed but not protesting it in the context. You can't bring that out. That's against me. You can't do that. That's ungodly. He I'm just going to pray. And then when the king says, man, I didn't realize that this whole legislation was just to get you killed. And now I have to, according to the, the rule, the law that I put in the land, that since you've prayed, I've got to throw you in the lines. Then Daniel, and he tried to find a way out. But he couldn't enact it, couldn't change it. Daniel said, don't you worry. <laughs> Woo, come on now. I'm telling you, if us as believers... If we really want to make some serious change, we need to be asking some questions. Because there's nothing new under the sun. If people are, are mad at the last administration or this administration or any administration on the planet, you know what? There's nothing. Yeah, but it, we ain't, it's been, it ain't never been like this. There ain't nothing new under the sun. Did you see what President Biden's done? He's only doing something someone's already done in the past. Every one of them. Now, could godly ones rise up? Sure can. In fact, some of this stuff could have some of the greatest moves of God take place. If we'll keep our focus. Or we can be like others. Kicking and screaming. Now, I'm not saying you can't protest. Shadback, Meshach, and Abednego protested. Everybody bowed and they were like, yeah, that ain't happening. Amen? They were the minority. Right? I mean, everybody's down, and we got three guys. Now, you understand, Daniel just wasn't into Providence. That's why he didn't get picked up. And then they brought him to the king, and they're like, we're not going to do your policy. It's just not going to happen. You'll just have to kill us. <laughs> but what happened? Changed legislation. Because the minute they came out of the fiery furnace, the king says, don't nobody talk about these boys, God. He's the man. He's God. He's it. Anybody says anything, we're going to kill you. We're going to take all your junk. We're going to strip you of all your rights. And you guys just got promoted. Wow. If you ain't getting promoted in your protest, maybe you need to keep your mouth shut. I'm just saying there's nothing new under the sun. Right? Many believers today are stuck in where the scriptures talk about fables and myths. Because here's the thing. You can go down a rabbit hole of conspiracies. And let me just be honest with you. Something about it's going to be true. I mean, I... We are in a world fallen. There's principalities of power. There's corruption. Newsflash. Corruption's happening. But the question of us to be able to say, I've ran this thing down. I've did all these. I've got all these evidence. Listen, the only thing that you got that's locked solid is the truth of God's word. 
Because it don't matter how much truth this is and how much of that truth here and how much of that truth there, uh, the devil will keep you wrapped up in that, that you're talking about all this stuff and not talking one thing. It is written. And you'll get yourself in an emotional tizzy. <laughs> Yet there's nothing new under the sun. An emotional tizzy. I mean, when, when I see things, I'm like, geez, I can't believe that happened. I just go over <laughs> and I just look at Scripture, <laughs> you know. And the one that I look to the most is this. If God be for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against the church can prosper. Right? It can form. It can even be hanging outside. <laughs> it can besiege the wall. You know, it can be set up camp. But that doesn't mean it's going to win. The thing is, is that we want to be at such a distance of controversy when the reality is we are controversy. Our whole life is controversy because we're the light of the world. The only way you ignore controversy is you take your light and put a basket over or a bushel over it. Was that what it used to be, the song, put a bushel over it? Right, you put it over it so nobody can see it. Now, up underneath it, you're full of light. But what good is that to a world that's dark? So the minute you just begin to walk in a room, you're at crossroads of your whole life. This is why it's so important to study people's lives in the Word because then we can say, my choice in handling this now, what am I going to do? There are so many context of different relationships you can find how to do the right relationship in scripture and then you can see how to violate it and where it will take you and you're deciding which do i want to be the samson delilah relationship right do i want the ananias and sapphira relationship It happens, husbands and wives come in agreement to lie in the church. <laughs> Did this happen? No, pastor, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. They're covering for the other one. Well, that's a terrible road to go down. Hallelujah. Nothing new. Which tells me if there's nothing new in the realm of how we can fail, then there's nothing new on how we can succeed. Which means we have just as great of opportunity to succeed, more so because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now, in conclusion, let's bring it back to these two writers. Because in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the writer, which is King Solomon, who was the wisest man ever, he writes the whole book. And he's really an emotional mess. Okay, greatly distraught. And it's only because he chose to not do what King David instructed him. Son, incline your ear. And he decided, I'll chase everything else out. And so it's a very depressing book in that context. Uh, because, and if you read it, you realize, well, if I go after this and go after this and go after this, 
He lets you know this is the road. This is what it is. Yet, some people decide, I'm going to be the next multimillionaire and chase it instead of chasing God. Yet, Solomon's like, vanity, it's like chasing the wind. Every relationship, Solomon's like, yeah, I had so, so many people, it was all just no good. It never satisfied. He lets us know. But how does he conclude it? He concludes in Ecclesiastes 12, the last chapter, the last two scriptures, it says it this way. He says, the conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. Whether they're in covenant or not, this applies. Then he goes on and says this, for God will bring Every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether good or bad. And every act will be brought to judgment, both at the judgment seat of Christ for the believer and then at the great white throne judgment for the unbeliever. The judgment seat of Christ for the children of God and the great white throne judgment for those who are the sons of the devil. It's coming coming and here's the thing we are in a moment of history think about it in God's grand design where he says I'm going to put my spirit in them then I'm going to change their spirit to be like mine they can communicate and then on the realm of the spirit that will be such a powerful force that it can take care of the other part of their being it can renew their mind, get their soul, cause them to control their emotions, overcome their deficits in their uh, education, their social status, all hurts, pain. I can clean it all up in the realm of the mind. And then I can heal their bodies, make it strong so that they can perform the function and passion that I have for them. And here's the thing. Then I'm going to give them a document. I'm going to have them have a document gets put together where these letters were inspired by my spirit among all these individuals over all these years, and I have more documents of this particular, of these letters, than any other type of writing ever in the history of man. Not only is it truth that I'm here telling you it is by the spirit, because I'm the author, right? The Holy Ghost was a, go he had ghost writers. So again, when someone's like, oh, you've never written a thing, you know, you have a ghostwriter. So did the Holy Ghost. I'm in good company, right? So at the end of the day, here, the Holy Ghost is in us saying, now I have this document that you can go back and know there's nothing new under the sun and at the sum of all your choices now, you can decide, well, whose name you want to be today? Do you want to be rebellious Esau? Or do you want to be Jacob or Israel? Or do you want to be Joseph? You want to handle that situation at work like Joseph? You want to handle that family dynamic like Joseph did when his family came? Do you want to be Joseph in the family right now? Or do you want to be one of his brothers? Because there's nothing new under the sun. And then the author 
of the Corinthian book, which is Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 10, he says it this way. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk how? We walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. So first he starts out and say what? Being always of what? Good courage. It's gonna, you're going to have to be courageous if you're going to live this life. And if you're going to allow your name to be associated with some of the greatest names ever penned. Because you can live their life too. You can have their results. Because there's nothing new under the sun, which means if they overcame, you can overcome. Verse 8, we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether, to, uh, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. What's that saying? Pleasing to God. How do you please God? By faith. Hebrews chapter, see, this is why it's so important to read the word. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please so when he says all i want to do is please the lord that doesn't mean wake up and say i love you and i please him you please him because you are a doer of his word you live by faith faith is the only way so if you live by sight you're not pleasing god if you're allowing what just took place well i tell you okay let's find that name in the bible let's see what road you just jumped on because before we keep going any further you know, and as you mature as a believer and understand the word more and more, it, for me, it becomes crystal clear in a moment. I start to see these names pop up. Now, if you say that, you're heading down their road. And you know where that takes you. You're like, jeez, I don't want to go there. That was a horrible story. That's a horrible account. I don't want that outcome. I want a different one. The Lord said, well, go this path like he did or like she did. Amen. Amen. There's been times in ministry of just trying to hear the voice of God and the plan and going. And all of a sudden, my wife says, you know, I just, I just, I just, it's, I, I, I sense that we should. And at that moment, I got a choice. I can say, get in your place like some men in the Bible did to their women. Or say, is this a Sarah moment where the Lord had to correct Abraham and say, you need to listen to your wife? Because I, if that's the road, I'm going to listen to Sarah. She, I, Sarah showed up at the house today. I need to hear what's going on. And there's been many times she, Sarah has come to the house. And I'm like, man, God gave you that word. And I'm glad he did. And I'm glad we walked that out that way. Amen. He goes on to say this. He says, therefore, we also have as our ambition whether to be home, to be absent, to be pleasing to him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether what, good or bad. In essence, the Old Testament writer King Solomon concluded, got to keep the word because God's going to judge you based upon what you did. And now we have a New Testament, New Covenant writer. In fact, who wrote more than half of the New Testament? Says, the day of judgment's coming for the believer. So you need to conclude, live by faith. Which is saying the same thing King Solomon said. He said, 
I've concluded, fear the Lord and keep his commands. Meaning, I don't want to do anything outside God's will in this situation. I don't want to disappoint my God. I don't want to go down a road that my God would not be pleased with my choice. What do you say, Dad? How do I do it? And then I'm going to keep it no matter what. And while this thing's where it's at right now, I can endure on that word. I don't have to move off it one bit. I can endure it. I can endure it. I can endure it. And you can. And why can you? Because you have the greatest weapon ever. Hebrews chapter 10, or chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, we close with this. The Passion says it this way. So then, we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. Meaning, when it gets really hard on you, he can sympathize. When it's like, I want to crack under the pressure and just go to my flesh on this deal right now, but God. You don't have somebody that's like, I know what it means to want to crack, but don't. He says he understands humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, and conquered sin. Conquered it. Conquered it. So there's nothing new under the sun. No matter what you've ever faced, what you're going to face. This is such good news. It don't matter how bad the world gets. Let me tell you how bad it's not going to get. It's not going to get in your lifetime to the point of Noah. Now, it will be like the days of Noah, but never get to the point that the Lord has to shut us up only in the ark. But it will get to the point, because some people use it as a type and shadow of a catching away, because obviously when he got the ark, the water raised him up, you know, and he came above all the sin. We will be caught up together with him. So again, at the end of the day, if you, may, if you allow your righteous living to produce fruit, maintain these paths, you already know. I don't care how bad it gets down here, God's going to deliver me out of it all. So staying at the house and wringing your hands and worried about what's going on and whether somebody's going to do something. We don't have to have that kind of fear. We don't have to have that. Because God didn't give us a spirit of fear. The minute I take fear, I'm like, whose path am I going on right now? Because this isn't the path that he told the righteous to go down. And I know what happens when I get on the path of fear, where that goes. He's already written it. He's shown me individuals. That he had to correct their fear. Who's someone in the Bible that God had to correct their fear? Gideon. He called him a mighty man of valor. And the guy's scared that the army's going to come and take his stuff. He's like, you got the wrong guy. He's like, you don't know who you are. And so he began to put him in test to get him to overcome his fear. 
But that whole context, if you read it, it's about him getting to the place that fear is not an issue with him anymore. So he can do the plan and purpose of God. So, can you get fearful? Can it come? Yes. Do we have someone we can say, in this moment, I'm going to follow Gideon's. How did God deliver Gideon out of this thing called fear? And if he delivered Gideon, then he has to deliver me. Because there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> there's no name higher than Jesus. There's no condition that can conquer or defeat him. You're already on the victor side. And he's given you everything within the word of God to win. But you have to avail yourself to the instruction. Again, at the end of the day, don't feel bad about yourself. Don't get in pity parties. How can I just get it? Change your mouth and say, I'll get it. I'm going to get it. I got this. God's in me. We're going to overcome. I am an overcomer. I'm going to defeat it. I'm not going to lay here again. I'm not going to beat myself up. The Bible tells me that if I am made righteous, then I should have no condemnation, and I'm not going to have this condemnation. Gives us plenty of instruction. So today, are you full of life and joy? Are you full of excitement and anticipation? Are you full of man I can't wait to get to church and hear God speak to me because there's something else he's going to continue to grow prune touch me with I'm so ready to receive because if you don't have that that's only because you're choosing not to have it my feelings have nothing to do with it I don't feel like coming to church I don't feel like singing I don't feel like sometimes hearing I don't feel like listening sometimes but I say I put that down because I know there's nothing new under the sun, and if I subject myself to God's word and his way of doing, I'll get that result every time, Steve. Every time I'll get it. Because if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen? So at the end of the day, the only thing that stops you from being chosen is you. It's you. Because there's nothing new under the sun. And I'm not going to let somebody who chooses not to follow the examples keep me from attaining to what God's called me. Period. I won't, ri I'll risk the relationship. Because if we're not going together after God, then you're not with me anyway. Well, Pastor Earl, I just don't agree with you. Bring the Bible and show me, and I'll change. Because I'm not giving you my opinion. Period. When we talk about situations that are going on in people's lives, I'm not talking about it from... This is what I think. What does the Bible say? Where's the road there? How do you get victorious? Where's that thing at? How do you know you're going to overcome? How do you know this is the right way to go? Because it's in there. And when you choose to make choices because you feel that you should and not because the Word says you should, 
you're on the wrong path. And you can get off. There is a way of escape. But you got to put in the work. And that's called study. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We're victorious. So again, let's just be chosen and let's just win. Everybody hates the undefeated team. So what? I'm not obligated to lose on your behalf. <laughs> I'm not, we're not obligated to fall on your behalf. Not obligated to mess up on your behalf. Not obligated to make a mistake so that you can feel good in yours. I'm obligated to my king who died for me and loved me and poured out his life for me and did everything right for me and overcame every temptation for me and then says, now I'm inside you. I can do the same thing to you. Because he's way more important to me than anything. Hallelujah. And he should be that important. Thanks again so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to get more of our content, you can subscribe wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. You can also watch our weekend messages at youtube.com forward slash anchor faith when they air every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Subscribe to us so you never miss a message and leave us a comment or a like. It really does help. You sharing, rating, and commenting on this podcast and any of our content is the best way to keep it in circulation for others to be influenced with this message of God's kingdom. So please consider sending a link to friends and family, sharing on social media, or simply giving us a rating. And finally, if you'd like more information about Anchor Faith Church and support the work we're doing from St. Augustine, Florida in igniting the city, impacting the nation, and influencing the world, you can visit us at anchorfaith.com. 